0: Welcome back, everybody, to another great edition of the Rolex Whiskey Passion Project. And today I have a gentleman that I probably met six years ago in San Francisco that I know has the passion. I'm super excited to learn more about his journey in whiskey and spirits. So without further ado, I'd like to welcome Sam
1: Filmus to the show. Sam, welcome, my friend. How are you? How are you, Gavin? Yeah, six years, like six days. The time flies. Seriously. But, um yeah doing great doing good. we're having yeah, fun
0: guys. time flies when we're having fun i can't complain my friend you know uh watching what's going on out there i was super impressed by honestly what you poured a few weeks ago in vegas i mean your table was hopping at the universal whiskey and and i kind of just wanted to dig in sam do you want to you want to start off by introducing yourself tell people a little bit about yourself
1: pretty please sure absolutely so i'm sam filmus the president and ceo of impacts beverages the importer Company that brings some craft spirits into the United States for the enjoyment by consumer. We also run a company called JPS Imports, which is the local distributing company in California. Started this company about 1997. What about 25 years ago now? And wow. um, the impacts was born in 2008. So that's another, what, 15 years now? Yeah. Wow. Sam, give me what, when did you first find whiskey in life? That was when I came to the United States about 31 years ago. I was um, offered to try Shivas, uh, Shivas Regal. And I actually liked it. To me, back in Moldova, where I'm from, uh, whiskey was something like moonshine, something considering. Bitter and it's kind um, of, you know, not pleasant to to drink. So I was just enjoying vodka, if 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 if, if you can enjoy <laughs> vodka.
0: <laughs> so you so I've been, I've been in the country thirty years. So you got here what ninety two? I got here ninety three. That's yep, crazy. Ninety ninety one February. Yep. Nine, Okay. So tell okay so so you get shivers and and what goes on in your head after drinking vodka? You go like, is this cool or is this not cool or like whatever?
1: I, I was very skeptical, but you know, being a nice guy, I couldn't say no. So, um, you know, I just drunk in the way that I drink vodka, like basically taking a shot. And I was pleasantly surprised about two three minutes after when I see things were coming back with Aromas with some sort of a um, you know taste style, it was a discovery for me, it was it was a big discovery for me, and that's probably what was the first message for me that I need to get into Scotch whiskey.
0: So that's so that's 1991, 1992, and 97 you started your first company, correct? Yes,
1: so, so pretty, in 1990, pretty, pretty, so pretty quick, <laughs> uh, like I said, was the, the first message, and it, it was. You know, I I was enjoying other whiskeys at that time, getting myself into single malts. But in 1997, that's where I opened the company. We were focusing on Eastern European products, primarily wines and beer. And it was ethnic market uh, kind of a targeted. In a couple of years, I realized that this market doesn't really have a bright future because the generation of our uh, um, parents were enjoying it for nostalgic factors that would remind them their young years, their student years, their first love, first kiss. But then their generation was kind of going away. You know, majority of those wines were like dessert or semi-sweet wines, which is not Mm -hmm. a very popular category. So that made me think that I need to change, or maybe not change, but widen the direction that i was going to by adding some mainstream categories and specifically spirits
0: and and back in 1997 i know like so now you know what does the whiskey look like in the 90s you said the single malts are around obviously you've got the big boys you know the chivas um are around What's where, where are you gravitating towards, or are you just like exploring, try anything, see what it like?
1: I was challenging my palate. That was first thing I wanted to understand more the, the nature of of what brings you this kind of a um, you know dates figs um, you know toasted almond iodiney components. What what brings that to you? And um, then I, I was digging more like into whiskey production and. My focus was single molds and the stories behind the distilleries. Uh, At that time, I started with Signatory, the independent bottler, and then they Mm -hmm. bought the so I was getting the Adrodauer in in, um, California. So Mm -hmm. at that time, the whiskey was kind of divided by single mold, which was kind of about 5% of um, the whole business and 95% were blends. And I saw the trend and maybe it was a little bit part of it when 5% became, you know, double digit number, 10% versus 90%. So the category, while the blended whiskey category wasn't, still is prevailing in numbers. I, I saw the growth of popularity of single malts. More and more people,
0: and you're and you're working with established, uh, you know, independent bodily with signatory. So you, I mean, you're getting amazing whiskey.
1: Well, by that time it was not, it was not very established, um, and I, I kind of give myself credit that we we did something with signatory that now is very established. At that time, you walk in the store and you just say, "Oh, I, I'm Sam with Signatory." They would say, "What? What Signatory? That what is that?" It? And then, you know, you show them the bottle and they say, why this bottle of Macallan has a label that doesn't look like Macallan? So it was a challenge to bring this concept of independent bottling to the decision maker first, so they can kind of transfer the concept to to their consumer. It was a challenge, but it was a good challenge. And they weren't, I mean, you know, no, compared to
0: today, there were hardly, you know, there were very few whiskey specific shops, right? I mean, today, like, I feel like they're on every corner. But back then, the, the stores were more well rounded, right? They had everything.
1: Absolutely. Yep.
0: And, and I, I remember going into some of those stores, and like, whiskey was maybe like an eight foot set, you know, wine was still a big part of it. And even and even like you were talking, the dessert, the ports and all that kind of they they had a space, a decent amount of space because like, you know, there wasn't really anything else to do with the space. So they brought a lot of stuff in. So now you see this like kind of smaller whiskey set. And like you said, you walk in and they're kind of like, well, I don't know, you know, do I need it? I don't really have space. And now you look today, you know, they have 100, 150, 180, 400 feet specific
1: whiskey shops. I mean, the business has blown up. We definitely live in a very good times when it comes to being in the whiskey business. And, uh, you know, it's not anymore like used to be, oh, my dad used to drink Johnny Walker Black or yeah. Glen Levy 12 or you know, Glen 15. You know, there's a lot of people are open to try new things. A lot of people don't care about age anymore. A lot of people are turning towards higher ABV, non-chill filtration Mm -hmm. process, natural color, which I think, again, we're very lucky that we live in a time when I'd say people between 25 and 45 are open to, they're not as loyal to Glen Level 12 anymore, which nothing wrong with it, but having the diversity and ability to taste different things And hear different stories, I think, that makes this business um, so wonderful.
0: Well, I also think you just said it a few minutes ago. You know, a lot of people grew up watching their dads, their grandfathers, their uncles drinking Johnny Walker Black, you know, Glen Liver 12, Shivers Regal, you know, Johnny Walker Blue on a very, very big occasion. And that's what they saw. So when they decided to get into whiskey, like they were very loyal to the brands that they saw. And then slowly but surely, the variety opened up. And I think also, you know, I used to do restaurants and and bars, and I I feel like the bartenders, they started to pass on more information as opposed to just being like, place the order, deliver the order. And they're like, oh, have you tried? Which I think also helped people um, open up their minds that there were other options out there.
1: Bartenders and mixologists, they, they prefer to call themselves nowadays, Nowadays, they helped a lot. They were like those ambassadors that would bring the knowledge and the passion and the enthusiasm uh, of the new whiskeys to the consumer, which is, you know, our goal uh, for consumer to enjoy it, come back and buy it or try it in the bar and then go to the store and see the familiar label and uh, buy the bottle. So, yeah, bartenders are very important to us. That's why we spend a lot of time kind of for crew education, opening the bottles. We want our whiskeys to go through as many leaps as possible. And since bartender sees, you know, between 10 and maybe 100 people a night, a shift, uh, it is very important for us to bring the story through them.
0: And for you introducing, you know, bringing in something like Signatoria, independent bottling, was that educational process challenging? Or once you got into the swing of it, it was pretty open arms approach?
1: Uh, it was challenging from the first uh, couple, for the first couple of years uh, as people did not understand the independent bottle concept and they didn't want to understand it so people who were open to it we contribute a big thank you for kind of giving us a chance i'll give you one good example we we used to have and it's still there the whiskey shop in san francisco yeah there was a lady good. who ran it exactly yeah so at that time, uh, we were trying to sell signatory to her, and she would, would would reject. One day she called the office, and she said, I need two bottles of signatory Colila, nine years old. I dropped everything, brought these two bottles to her, <laughs> and I asked her, mm, like, thank you for giving us a chance, like, you know, to two be on your, on your shelves. And she goes, no, no, that's a special order. It's going to go in and out. It's not going to hit the shelf. And I said is it possible for us to maybe bring another bottle for you to put it on the shelf in case somebody walks in and uh, sees this bottle she goes no no no, i'm fine i'm fine (laughs) you know just you know right now this store gives us a lot of business if you 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 probably saw uh, our brands there (laughs) so huge huge presence yes so so basically yeah it it was challenging to 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 make the, the answer short But
0: and what and what do you think? What do you think was the switch that you know when what, where in time? What year did you notice your job became a lot easier and you had something that people understood and that they wanted? Around when did you start to notice? Oh, whoa, this is picking up.
1: So first, I realized that just having one independent bottler in, in the portfolio is not enough. Um, It's like having independent bottler, but having only one or two SKUs. It should be a range of SKUs to get the brand understood and to brand being in demand. So we added Gordon McPhail and Benroma at that time. We also added some art brothers and some other independent bottlers um, to the portfolio. And we kind of became the house of independent bottlers. If people call us, oh, I need, you know, client 12 12-year-old for, for my First, for some present signatory. Well, we don't have signatory clients; we have, you know, gold clients, and people yeah. started getting. It, it's a long process, but it, it worked perfectly for us. I would say that 2004, 2007, would be kind of a top, top, top years for for our um, success with with independent bottles. And-
0: so this is this is pre this is pre social media this is just passion right 2004 through 2007 you were educating it was it was word of mouth and you going out and doing all the shows right i mean there was no way to to blow it up like you can do now
1: absolutely it was not only me um you know at that time ed cole was the brand ambassador for signatory and edward he he was coming to california twice a year for about a week sometimes 10 days sometimes two weeks and we would go to Southern California, and I am out of Northern California, so we would work here, conducting some tasting seminars, works with, you know, visiting the stores, educating crew, educating the reps. So I would I would say Ed was the one kind of who orchestrated and, and put a lot of effort and knowledge into what Signatory is today. I also work with Gordon McPhail people, Michael Urquhart, who is now retired, is one of my Mm -hmm. heroes in this industry, Um, the idol, Matt Chivian, who was an importer of Gordon McPhail and Ben Romach at that time. You know, to me, it's very important to work with people that uh, are passionate, are uh, loving, are knowledgeable, uh, because that somehow transfers into you and then you transfer those vibes into the customer and consumer.
0: Yeah, because that way you're not selling. You're talking from with passion. You know they're expecting sales, and you're coming in just so excited. It's contagious.
1: Exactly. Yep.
0: Then and course, so 2004, you know. 2007. So this is so now you're like the independent bottler. You've got great brands. You're starting to see. Are you starting to see um, whiskey moving more? Like are bars bringing in more op- options? The mixologists, are they, you know, because I've spoken to guys who go back to like the 1980s and they said, you walk into a bar and there was maybe 10 whiskeys and now there's 400. What's 2004 look like? You know, I was running nightclubs. We didn't have a lot of whiskey. We were selling a lot of champagne, a lot of tequila, a lot of vodka, a lot of rum. Whiskey was Johnny Walker Black, really maybe one or two single malts and that was it. What's it like in 2004 through 2007 with you, with all these independent bottlers, is it more specialty? Is it fine dining? Is it is it curated bars? Like what's that look like?
1: Sure. So two thousand four, two thousand seven, bars looks looked exactly like you described. If you walk in, you get the regular, you know, Johnny Walker. You get some, you know, Jack Daniels. You have yep. some, you know, maybe if it's a higher end bar, would have Macallan twelve, Macallan fifteen, Macallan eighteen. Uh, out of isles, we got maybe Lafroig, like a-
0: yeah. Something PT, over. something PT right. would be there.
1: <laughs> exactly, but I, I haven't seen any independent bottlers. So, you know, by nature, I like challenging things. So I'm thinking to myself, why no independent bottlers are in that bar? And it took me weekly to 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 figure out that it's it's a very tough sale. It's a very tough sale to to convince the bartender or bar manager to bring something that needs this specific explanation when people come and just say, you know, get me a sh- you know a shot of McCallum Twelve or something like that.
0: Yeah, give me a martini. I mean, you're talking you're talking about 2004. It's the the pomegranate martini. It's the mojito with the rum. You know, like that's what they're selling for. You know, twelve bucks whiskey there sure. you know i remember asking i remember guys would come ask me sam like hey why don't you guys do a whiskey list i said no i have a wine list and a cocktail menu like we're good you know why whiskey yeah. list nobody asked for that
1: well gavin you were there just the re- revolution uh, making a revolution in this so th- that's that's exactly what was going on so i kind of walked away from there and we focused on specialty stores we wouldn't go, go to the you know, corner stores that sells, you know, beef, jer- uh, no. b- beef jerky and yeah. lottery tickets because this guy has the Glenfiddich 12 behind him on the shelf, but he has no idea what it is. And, uh, it's just someone who knows the brand would come and then buy it. So it was not another uh, co- Yeah. Uh, it was so- the construction worker buying the mini to throw
0: in their coffee. <laughs> it's <not laughs> mini of mini, mini of anything. I mean, <laughs> mini anything.
1: <laughs> yep. Yep. So and then 2008 came and at that time we opened the warehouse and the office in Los Angeles and you know the economy went down and we lost at yeah. that time both brands which was very significant for us. But anyways to move forward and just to to, to kind of leave it in in the past. Yeah. We in 2010 I would say it was a kind of a next wave of um, single malt scotch whiskey movement for us. And that's where we started hitting, like, um, Alexander Steakhouse in Palo Alto, Mm -hmm. which is a Michelin-style restaurant. They would bring, at that time, we had Duncan Taylor. It's another independent bottler. Yeah. And uh, we would bring something that costs, you know, wholesale $600, and they would bring it in. So we think, oh, if it works there, let's just hit those, you know, high-end restaurants. And that's what we did. And in some cases, we had a success. In some cases, people ordered the bottle or two and they were reordered. It just depends.
0: And that's, yeah. That's but but I happened. I also, just, just to make a point on that, I remember that time on the $600 bottles. And if you were running a business, uh, you know, fine dining, you took the bottle, you divided it by like 15. And that was your price per pour, you know? So it wasn't like, even though it was a $600 bottle, these guys were still getting it for, you know, 40 bucks a pour, which wasn't crazy. Now, Absolutely. you know, <laughs> because there wasn't the money was being made on the wine and the champagne and the cocktails. And they wanted to provide, you know, if if, if you could pay 80 bucks for a steak, you could pay 40 bucks for a, a glass of whiskey because you, maybe you didn't want a vodka cocktail, you know, as your aperitif before you ordered your $600 bottle of wine. So it's yeah. for you to go there.
1: Yeah, and what they do, then it all depends on the bartender or bar manager or mixologist. They would take a group of five people or more and just say, we got this bottle here. And they would make a flight and you know they would deplete part of it which would cover their cost. And uh, I was there this weekend at this restaurant. Uh, to be honest, I, I still see some bottles that we sold that was five, six years ago, but they're okay with that. They're like, they know people and and this place is not cheap uh, the cheapest entry would be like a hundred dollars and there was some you know dishes for 240 dollars and etc so it kind of yeah. like you said it, it it matches and you know people are willing to spend money and they you know they eat well and they want to drink something exclusive so
0: so okay so now we're up to 2011 2012 so we still haven't hit social media really and you guys are out there. Now keep moving forward. Tell me, tell me when it starts to all of a sudden the bomb goes off and it's like, oh shit, this is crazy.
1: So we started the importing company in 2010 by bringing uh, one blend called Isle of Sky, and you know I literally was going down the street and and asking people what they think about this bottle, would they buy it for 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 thirty bucks on the shelf? What they think about this label, you know, age statement? And that took me to Stanford university which is about 45 minutes from my house and um, there was six or seven students that they have their diploma work on um on my whiskey (laughs) so wow yeah that that was cool but but that time i was just hearing from here from there you need to use the social media you need to and honestly i had no idea i had no idea what it was because to me Probably I was conservative at that time. Maybe still am conservative. And just some changes were like, it's okay. It's it's selling. It's okay. I want to sell more, but I don't want to go some extreme, you know, ways. To me, Facebook was just I had no idea. So I think when I realized that I need to to go into social media was probably 2012, 2013. I don't remember exactly, but it was somewhere there. And I was always saying to myself, I would never use Facebook if it was just my personal account, but it helps business tremendously. Like today, I don't I don't mm-hmm. imagine uh, us selling as much or as being as popular with our brands if we didn't have the social media. Mm-hmm. And sometimes I well, think... Also, it,
0: also but, in that early time, you're talking about, you know, there was social media, but there were guys who were selling like... Google AdWords for thousands of dollars and you were getting no results. So the people weren't really excited. They said, oh, man, like, why spend the money? I don't see the return. Because social media wasn't big yet. It wasn't everywhere. It was still kind of isolated.
1: I agree 100%. But I would like to thank social media because it it let me gain some great friends. Um, You know, the person who works for me today or with me. Uh, as a sales director national sales director Joshua Hatton I was just um kind of following his tasting notes that uh, intrigued me because he was always comparing them with some specific dry fruits or and he would post the pictures and that was helping me learn more the, the profiles that that I taste and of make the analogy with with other things Christmas cake whatever else his business partner Jason Johnson yelling who at that time ran a blog called Whiskey Guild and many, many others. So to blame social media wouldn't be fair uh, of me. Um, It it had its own things that irritate me and probably every one of us. But but in in many, many ways, it's really, really a big tool.
0: Well, I I think just awareness. I mean, you know, people watch it. It's there whenever, you know. People used to joke back in the day. Oh, the only time you watch social media is when before you go to bed or when you're sitting on the toilet, you know, like that. <laughs> and then now it's like it's all day long, and you, and you you see stuff and you get to meet people because you know I look at, you know, I feel like the whiskey brands in general, not many brand ambassadors do a good job for the companies that they work for. They just don't. Mm-hmm. You know, they work, but they don't put it out there. I was recently with, you know, in New York for work with um, a pretty big uh, bourbon and rye whiskey company. And they said, well, what can we do better? I said, nothing. You guys actually do an amazing job. Like you shouldn't be. You've done it. You have people. You have great content. You educate. You continually posting. I mean, someone taught me really early that social media is like the newspaper. So if they start looking at you, they expect to see more. So you have to continually update and then you've got their attention. And I've always followed that, you know, it's like, you know, people say, oh, isn't it a pain in the ass to post on Instagram every day? I said, not at all, because that's what people expect me to do. And that's what I want to do. I, I, in my mind, I'm delivering the news. Hey, look at this. It's something different. And I'm, you know, I'm like you, like I want to try everything. I'm obsessed with independent bottlers. Like I have a ton of the Duncan Taylors. But the real reason, Sam, is because they're affordable for such a lost period of whiskey making. Like you said earlier, now people don't care about the age statement anymore because they want higher ABVs. They want non-chill filter. They want no coloring. But, you know, you can still buy a a 40-year-old Duncan Taylor, you know, on auction for like 350 pounds from like Glen Elgin. You know, and that to me is like that guy back in those days when he made the whiskey, he didn't have social media. He didn't have a cell phone. You know, my listeners hear me say this all the time. He didn't have anyone bothering him. He just went to work and did his job and did his job, really. You know, whether he believed he was making the best whiskey in the world or not didn't really matter. He was just doing his job. And later on, when these independent bottlers would take these these barrels and be like, oh, man, this is something special. I mean, you mentioned Gordon McPhail. I mean, there's nothing better than being around them at a show. And, and, you know, Richard now will pull out a bottle of somebody, some new brand, new distillery that's been like revigorated. And he's like, oh, I have stuff from this from the 1960s. And you're like, wow. I mean, I think that's what independent bottlers to me. They're like a time capsule of whiskey history.
1: You're so right, Gavin. Uh, speaking of social media, I, I can't mm, not say uh, that now, uh, that I'm adoring your Rolex whiskey passion um, <laughs> site, and w- what you do it's just amazing. Uh, it shows the class, it shows the level, it shows the uniqueness. So, thank you for that. I just want to let you know that I do enjoy it. Uh, every and each post.
0: Well, I appreciate that. I mean what I've what I've tried to do with that is what I am. I'm an everyday person. Yeah, I got lucky. Don't get me wrong. When my daughter was born premature and I and I decided to buy Japanese whiskey, I didn't know that Japanese whiskey was gonna get that crazy. You know, when I when I pivoted into Mictors, you know, before it was on the show billions, because a friend said, oh, you should try it. I didn't know what it would become. But I'm obsessed with history, integrity and watching and i don't like you know i it, it's just it's fun and i always say people like well how long are you going to go i'm like until it stops being fun but i tell you every week every year it just gets more fun because i just
1: learn more absolutely absolutely
0: so, so let's speaking keep of going on your journey now 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 what we're in let's go to cuz i want to talk about i don't even know how to pronounce it the keeper like how the does the that keep- go down
1: yeah, how does that go down?
0: <laughs> well,
1: I mean, that's amazing. You know, what an honor. Yeah, I'm not going to lie. I'm honored. And, um, you know, I had an opportunity to do, the, to do that about 10 years ago. And I was not imagining myself waiting to kilt, And that was the thing that stopped me. <laughs> when the opportunity came, what, about four or five years ago, my wife said, no, you, you're doing that. You do that. You just, there's no any other options for you. So I did it, and <laughs> I went there with my lovely daughter. She was part of this banquet. And uh, my business partner, Chris, we had a lot of fun. And, um you know, it, it since then, I, I never put this um, outfit on again. I don't know when I'm going to do it, but um it, it, it's just good to be part of... Um, some were, some were over 2,000 people in the world that, that are part of this yeah. club. And it. I like history. And, and, you know, I like to be recognized that maybe, maybe not, but I did something right for the industry. So yeah, that was part of it. I, I never scream uh, on, on each corner outside the, on the streets that I am the keeper. But <laughs> if people recognize that, I appreciate that.
0: I mean it's what an all I mean I look at that and it's like, yeah, you said two thousand people in the world like, you know, what a what a great nod and what a great I mean, I'm I'm all about traditions and I think it's a beautiful tradition that they've managed to keep alive, in all honesty, you know, with everything and that they've managed to keep it so tight. You know, I'm I'm sure that the, you know, nowadays there's all kinds of money angles and it's just not that. It's real, it's authentic. So really, I mean, that's huge. Sam, tell me as far as business, when everything started exploding around 2017, even till now, I mean, did you ever imagine it was going to go that quickly?
1: No, no. I, I never had any goals like five-year goal, 10-year goal, one-year goal. It just all I wanted to do is to prove to myself, will I be able to make it or not? This is my next challenge. This is my next level that I need to, to get to. And... Um, you know, I was working another job for about 10 years just to make sure that we pay our people and we pay the, the vendors and we pay the rent and we pay, you know, insurance and all this good stuff. So, but then when the business went to the point when I needed to, to dedicate 24 hours or you know full time, I just quit that job or left the job. And, um, just dedicated myself to this. Then when I realized that I should have done that earlier, because when you do something that you love and you dedicate yourself fully, then the results will be there sooner or later, but you'll be seeing the success of your work.
0: I mean, you talk about selling the $600 bottles to Alexander Steakhouse back then, which was a hell of a sale. Now, I mean, you, sell, you could sell $600 bottle, multi-thousand dollar bottles all day long.
1: Well, I remember from the That's same crazy. people from... It is, yeah. And it's <laughs> it, it's, it's, a, it's a great point. Um, from Duncan Taylor, they had a Macallan 42-year-old in a Nice decanter bottle. And when I sold this bottle to one of the accounts in San Anselmo in uh, Marine County of uh, Bay Area, I went there myself to show that nothing is wrong with it and etc. I don't remember how much it was. And then I sold a fifty-year-old bottle of Gordon McPhail McCallum spay mold to one of the accounts in, uh, in Hollywood, and that was—I don't remember—maybe twenty-five hundred dollars or something. <laughs> I can't even <laughs> imagine how much is it today. You know, I didn't...
0: I mean, I, th- I think, and then look at the whiskey list. You know, like we were saying earlier. You know, back in the day, I would divide by fifteen. Now, I—I sw- I think they like divide by two. They're like, oh, we paid $600 for the bottle, it's $300 a pour.
1: Okay. Yeah, easy. Easy, easy. And it it happens not accidentally. It happens pretty pretty regularly. Um, I remember... Well, you
0: know, I I also, you you remember top shelf, you know, top shelf. I mean, even at the whiskey shop, there were certain whiskeys that were on the top shelf or behind glass that didn't get called upon very often because of the price. Now they can't even keep whiskey in these cases.
1: Or the top shell? Yeah, and you know, it's both. Like, good example would be um, the 30-year-old Alica that we just brought recently. $1,600 on the shelf. I had to allocate these bottles. People were fighting. My distributors were fighting for it. And one of the distributors got shorted, and I got a pretty nasty email from him. How come I got shorted on, on the 1600 $100 bottle of whiskey. So, yeah, I came across one email that I sent in 2010. Uh, it was towards the um, holiday season, and I asked my reps to help me sell these whiskeys because it's a holiday season and it's easier to sell. And it was a poor talent, 25-year-old from um, Chieftains and a uh, 30-year-old Brora and 22-year-old Glencadam. The portal and wholesale was ninety one dollars, and I was begging my my reps to, to to help me push it and sell it through.
0: That's great. And now, <laughs> now it's a, it's a it's wild out there. Thousand so, dollars, you know, you know multi thousand, no problem, all day long. Stand in line, allocate, you know, all of that kind of stuff. I mean, it's changed, and and it's okay. It is what it is. I don't see it slowing down anytime soon because honestly, I think. Anybody who had whiskey to shine, now is the time to shine. Because the, the, the consumer's palate, you know, I was saying to someone the other day, people have been used to spending hundreds of dollars on wine, thousands of dollars on wine. So now, and, and you know, you normally finish that wine in one sitting, you know, four to six glasses, boom, done. Now they can go buy a multi-thousand dollar bottle of whiskey and enjoy it for however long they choose. Years, weeks, a weekend, whatever they choose. But it's a different like experience. And and I think that, you know, once you open the whiskey, I won't say it drastically changes, but it's it's nice to go back and revisit. You know, like sometimes, oh, that was the ABV was really high. You know, and you let it sit around for a little bit and
1: just it settles. And not saying it's a not really my... high
0: ABV, you
1: know. Sure. <laughs> I never had the privilege of uh doing this because usually when we open the bottle of whiskey at my house, it's just, (laughs) it just
0: doesn't, I mean, I've got, I've got, I've got about, I've got about 700 bottles in like, in my investment and about 300 open. And the other day, two weekends ago, I went through my open bottles and I pulled everything that was younger than 18 years old, which was maybe like 50 bottles of the 300. And I went, I called my brother-in-law because we're going to go hang out with him. And I said, hey, can I bring like 50 whiskeys to you? Because I'm not going to drink them. I got too much. Like, I'm just going to enjoy what I got over here. It's like a, I set a point like 18 years or older, you know, and like this is what I have and they're open and there's still a lot of whiskey. I don't want the rest of it. And he's like, oh, yeah, please. Thank you very much. Yeah. <laughs> you know, Sam, as we as we wrap up, is there any like, I know you've had a lot of amazing whiskey moments. Um, I would Obviously, The Keeper was a big thing. Are there any other moments where you, like, pinch me, like, oh, I can't believe this is happening, that stand out in your brain? Like, you sitting with somebody, you know, with uh, Urquhart or someone that you like, wow, this is crazy.
1: There's so many moments. Um, since I you know. brought Michael Urquhart, like, oh. you know, hey. when I visited the distillery a couple of times, and every time I, I go there, he would bring me to his room, and uh, poor, like forty-five-year-old Highland Park, and then he would take me to the uh, warehouse. You know, I see the the, the, the cask of Ladyburn or uh, Mortlock, seventy years old, and he would he would give me some whiskey to taste. That that was a very memorable moments. Um, I opened my own um, independent bottle called the Impacts Collection. Our first release, I had a spring being 25-year-old. That's <laughs> probably getting it to you. Yeah, it, it was urban matured and then finished in a sherry cask. And um, we kind of celebrated because there was a big page in, in my book, my career book, uh, by writing my own independent bottler when the the bottlers like Gordon MacPhail, Caden um, Head, and setter that have over 150 years mm-hmm. history. But I kind of drawn this... Highland Park, wishing that in a hundred years, in hundred fifty years, people will continue, you know, enjoying the, the, this beautiful moments uh, when they drink whiskey and they share their stories with, with their, you know, friends or loved ones, and etc. And um, I was drinking for the peace in the world, peace in the world. That's probably the bol- most desirable moment. And maybe it's not answering your question, but that was on my mind at that time.
0: Yeah, I'd imagine. I mean, what a wow. <laughs> and and how many years ago was that?
1: That was, so the project took me about two and a half years to to launch. Uh, and that was about, I'd say now about two years. So we're not releasing. Oh, so so, so
0: right, in the, right in the thick of it, like in the thick of high demand.
1: Yeah. It had to do with the pandemic. I mean, it, it was a challenging thing, but it was a passion project for me. You know, Rolex Whiskey is a passion project for you. And I didn't see the time going by. Like I didn't notice it. It was just naturally done. It was very challenging because of the chain supply, supply chain and other stuff that were, you know, affiliated with pandemic, but we made it. And now we're about to release the third, you know, third edition, third release of uh, the impacts collection. So
0: that's so amazing. I'm so I mean, it's so wonderful to watch because there's nothing better than seeing people that are passionate, being involved in this business and like finding their stride and and releasing their passion so others can enjoy it. I mean, I don't think I ever looked over at your table at Universal uh, Universal Pictures (laughs) at Universal Whiskey and they were not just people huddled around, you know, drinking and smiling. It's awesome. And a lot of hard work that nobody knows behind the scenes go into doing that and i think that's also the the amazing part seeing that the fruit of those rewards right
1: absolutely seeing people enjoying you that's amusing to my ears and that's the best reward i can imagine you know i don't mind working hard i've been working hard all my life which is fine no problem but seeing the results seeing the fruits that's very rewarding yes
0: yeah well, I can't thank you enough for being on the show today, my friend. Thank you, thank you, thank you. I love learning. This has been a great insight. I love I love the start from, you know, vodka shots to shiva shots to now <laughs> and everything in between and the amazing whiskey that you're putting out there and that you're a part of. So like, just, you know, thanks for con- contributing to, for a whiskey geek like me to really putting passionate products out there that are unique and you can just tell our, our 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 the the passion behind it. Is there anything else you want to send us an, any Sam any uh Instagram, Facebook, anything you want to plug before we wrap it up?
1: Well I just want to thank you first of all for what you do to the industry. Uh it's noticed. And uh thank you for inviting. I've been honored and Brasco thank you as well for putting that together. The rest, yeah, you can find me like by Googling the name, I'm, I'm pretty sure. Facebook, IG, Twitter. And then,
0: um, perfect. Well, everybody, please take a follow. Go look for Sam. Um, His whiskeys are amazing. He's a part of something that just is truly passionate and real. And I highly encourage you to grab some bottles. And we'll see you guys next time. And Sam, thank you again for coming on. Thank you and
1: cheers, everyone.